Our first reading is from Ezekiel 34, verse 11 to 16, page 865 in the Church Bibles, page 865. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land. And there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Our second reading this morning can be found on page 1076 in John chapter 10, verses 11 to 21. We're halfway down the story of the shepherd and his flock. Page 1076. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Just as we stand, let us pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you promise to shepherd your people. And so we pray that we will learn more this morning of what it means to have the Lord Jesus Christ as our shepherd. For his name's sake we pray. Amen. Do please be seated. I want you to imagine this morning as we start that we're playing that game, Signs, 
where we all pretend to be a different animal. And I just want you to think for a moment, what sort of animal would you choose to be? You've got absolute freedom to choose right across the animal kingdom. Cat, maybe. Lion. Giraffe. Now, just look at your neighbor for a second. What would they be? Sorry, what was that, John? Bald eagle. (laughs) Anyway, whatever animal you choose, I doubt many of us would have been thinking sheep. Yet when Jesus looks at us, that's what he thinks, sheep. Because he calls himself the good shepherd. And as we were reading in John chapter 10, he refers to his followers as his sheep. Now, life presents to us all sorts of troubles and problems, even for little Sebastian, and perhaps sometimes I think especially at a baptism, someone's just starting out in life. We're very conscious of that that thought, and I guess every new parent has this thought, what kind of a world have I brought this child into? Whether it's the horror of the first day of school or exams, Or as we get older, family issues, worries about the future, our financial security, illness, loneliness, the fear of failure, redundancy. We all face all sorts of issues and troubles. And I guess for all of us, there will be times when we feel like shouting, life is going so badly wrong, does God care? Or life is so chaotic... Does, does God have a clue as to what's going on? Or life is so unfair, does God have it in for me? Or life is so random and meaningless, does God have a plan? And into all these questions and confusion steps the person of Jesus Christ who says, I am the good shepherd. Now, we need to remind ourselves of the difference, a very important difference, between the 21st century English shepherd and the 1st century Palestinian shepherd. Let's go back to the 1st century, uh, sorry, 21st century English shepherd. He buys a field, he puts up a fence, he installs a water trough, and of course in this country there's plenty of rain and lush pasture. So what does he do? He goes into the field in his Land Rover with his border collie doing all the running, rounds up the sheep, sends them off to the market, ka home in time for tea in front of the roaring fire in the farmhouse. Actually, I know it's not quite as simple as that. My mother-in-law was a shepherdess and uh, going to stay with her was never a holiday. But the 21st century shepherd bears absolutely no comparison with the 1st century shepherd, our next picture, where they had no fields, just open land. So the shepherd needed to keep an eye on his sheep all the time. And he led them from the front. He didn't chase them from behind. And he led them to pasture and to water often sleeping out in the open with them in some rough and ready pen, protecting the sheep from predators, the wolves, the foxes. 
even the bald eagles. And Jesus is effectively saying, forget the Land Rover shepherd. Think of the first century up all night shepherd, the one who leads, protects, feeds, and cares for his sheep. And he says, I am that good shepherd. And we, his followers, are the sheep who need protecting, feeding, watching over. We need someone to help us to face up to the troubles and the confusion and the crises that lie around the corner, the wolves of life, if you wish. And, of course, added to that, in Jewish culture, the spiritual leaders of the country and the people were called shepherds. We use the the word pastor in a similar sort of way. But we read in Ezekiel chapter 34 of the fact that God will lead his people. Earlier in the chapter, it had described the bad shepherds who'd neglected the sheep. The religious leaders had not done their job, but God says, I will lead my sheep. So to the first century Jewish hearers, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, they knew Those who knew their Old Testament knew that Jesus was likening himself to God. In fact, not just likening himself to God, saying, I am God. I am the good shepherd. And for the next few minutes, I just want us to see why Jesus is such a good shepherd. So first, to the person who says life is going so badly wrong, does God care? Look at verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus gives. One of the shepherd's roles is to fight off predators. He cares for his sheep that deeply. And, of course, Jesus, as the good shepherd, laid down his life for us on the cross when he faced the wolf of sin and death. As he faced the wolf on our behalf, as he fought off that wolf for us. Everyone knows, of course, that Jesus died on a cross Many people will be able to tell you that Jesus died for the sins of the world. But do you realize that Jesus died for you? For me? For Sebastian? For us all? God does care. He cares so deeply that he gave his life so that you and I could be forgiven. Today, as Palm Sunday, starts the beginning of Holy Week, a week when Christians round the world will remember Jesus giving his life for his people. We'll be remembering the flogging and public humiliation. We'll be remembering the crown of thorns rammed on his head. We'll be remembering the spear thrust into his side, mocked as a failure, shamed as a criminal, God-forsaken as a sinner. 
Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And four times in that short passage we had read, he says, I lay down my life. In stark contrast to the hired hands who run away at the first whiff of danger. No, Jesus sticks around. He faces the wolves head on for us. You may remember the name Elsa Del Place, who died in the Paris terror attacks last November. When the police officers walked through the carnage in the Bataclan Theatre in Paris, they discovered Elsa's five-year-old son, Louis, alive, hidden beneath her body. As the terrorists opened fire, she threw herself on top of him, to save him. Look at verse 11 again. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Does God care? He cares so deeply that he laid down his life for us that first Good Friday so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be restored to a relationship with God the Father. Second, to the person who says life is so chaotic, does God have a clue as to what's going on? Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Jesus knows. This is a strong relational word here in John chapter 10. When Jesus says, I know my sheep, he's not meaning I know the price of wool. I know what uh, lamb can fetch in the market. I know where the best pasture is or how many sheep I have. What he's really saying is, I know my sheep inside out. Now, our French cousins can help us here. A little uh, back, back to school bit of uh, French vocab. They, the French have two different words for to know. I know I'm on, I'm on skating on thin ice as I look out at my French friends here. Savoir is to know about something, to know the facts and the figures. Connaître is to know somebody personally, to be in a relationship with someone. And this is the sense in which Jesus uses the word here in John chapter 10. Jesus knows us personally, inside out. The good shepherd is always on the watch. He knows exactly what's going on. He sees our problems, our troubles, our failures and successes. He knows us through and through. And what is so amazing, he knows us inside out and he still loves us. Isn't that incredible? But look again at verse 14. Not only does Jesus know his sheep, the sheep know him. This is about a two-way relationship. Perhaps we might be confident about Jesus knowing us, but maybe less so about my knowing Jesus. Perhaps you feel a little bit like Boris Johnson, who once said, I'm afraid my faith is like a very wonky aerial, and I sometimes find the signal pretty scratchy. Many would echo that, I think. Some have even given up trying to turn the radio on 
stopped listening to his voice altogether. And if that's you, if you know that the shepherd knows you, how about retuning your radio? How about starting to listen to his voice? Maybe one of these courses, the Alpha course or Big Questions, is for you. Maybe a home group is for you. Maybe just coming regularly to church is for you, not just once or once a month or when it suits with other things, but committing every week to coming to hear his voice. Does Jesus have a clue? Yes, he knows us. And he still loves us. And he wants us to be in a two-way relationship with him. Third, to the person who says life is so unfair, does God have it in for me? Look at verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Not only does Jesus give and Jesus know, but Jesus includes. At times, the Christian church can seem like a rather exclusive club. And when it's like that, it's very unattractive. Here in John chapter 10, Jesus was, of course, talking to Jewish listeners. And they were very exclusive. The faith was just for them. In fact, in chapter 9, they chucked a blind man out of the synagogue because he was bl- had been blind and was therefore a sinner. And we don't want that kind of person here, thanks very much. But Jesus won't be restricted. Verse 16 says, He has other sheep who are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, he says. What a mistake we make when we try to squeeze Jesus into a very narrow box that says, just for me and my type and my friends in my cozy little club that I call my church. Jesus was always including people. I love reading the Gospels and seeing how the people who others kind of rejected and called the outcasts, Jesus particularly welcomed in. The Christian church should be open to all. I rejoice in this church as uh, with our 30-something different nationalities and all ages, from tiny tots through to senior citizens. I rejoice that we come from all sorts of different backgrounds. And that's how it should be. And our doors should be wide open to anyone who wants to come and find the Good Shepherd. Here in the New Testament, Jesus is reminding the people, his hearers, that God was the God of the nations, not just the God of the Jews. And what a good thing for those of us who are not Jews this morning, that people got the message. Personally speaking, I'm a Gentile, I'm not a Jew. So I'm so grateful that Jesus opens the doors to people like me. And we need to be really careful that we don't make the same mistake that Jesus' first hearers made. That Jesus, we don't say to ourselves, well, Jesus is just for the Christians. He's for the Jews too. He's for the Muslims, the Buddhists, the Hindus. 
He's for the secular humanists and the scientific materialists. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is a shepherd who includes. The Christian gospel is good news for everyone. If it isn't good news for everyone, then it ceases to be good news. And we mustn't write people off by saying, well, they wouldn't be interested, or, ooh, I wouldn't want to upset them, or the Christian message might be too challenging for them, or I'll leave them to explore it for themselves. We might be the very person who introduces them to the Good Shepherd. Hasn't it been lovely during the events week, the last couple of weeks, being able to invite our friends to hear somebody introduce the Lord Jesus Christ to them? I was talking to someone who said, do you know, I didn't invite anyone. I feel like I've really missed a trick. Next time. When's the next events week? (laughs) We need to remember that Jesus is the Good Shepherd who includes. Does God have it in for me? Not at all. He gave his life for you and for me. He wants to welcome all who will come to him. Jesus includes. And finally, to the person who says, life is so random and meaningless, does God have a plan? The the wonderful answer is, yes, he most certainly does have a plan. Look with me further down the passage to verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. We've just sung that version of Psalm 23 with God's wonderful promise to lead us into green pastures and still waters. Even better, to lead us through the darkest path when things go wrong. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. And as the chorus concludes, his endless mercy follows us and his goodness will lead us home. Home is the most lovely picture in the Bible for heaven. We were thinking last week when we looked at John chapter 14, how Jesus likens heaven to his father's house, the family home. That is where Christians really belong. We're just passing through here. Heaven is home. And Jesus promises here eternal life with him in heaven for those who put their trust in him. And look how certain he is about it. Look again at verse 28. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. When I was 16, my best friend at school died in a tragic accident. And it really was a very dark time in my life. And I can remember sitting in church, weeping for David the day after he died. And a very kind lady sitting next to me just passed me the church Bible. And she she had this verse. And she underlined three words. Look again at verse 28. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. 
and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Does God have a plan? He most certainly does. It's the rescue plan that takes us all the way to heaven. And Jesus came as the good shepherd to give his life for us on the cross. So that when we turn to him and put our trust in him, our lives are in his hands, safe for all eternity. So, what a great shepherd. How do we respond to him? Well, did you notice the two different responses of Jesus' hearers in verse 19? At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Some will say still today, this is all madness. Perhaps you've just wandered into church today for the first time in years and you can't quite believe that people are still saying all this kind of stuff. Still in the 21st century. But others see Jesus in a different light. And perhaps today you realize afresh that Jesus really is the good shepherd. If that's the case, thank God for that. Resolve to follow him more closely. Trust in his goodness, even in the dark times that he gives, he knows, he includes, and he keeps. Some may say, well, I don't think I've ever really entered into that kind of conage type of relationship. It's all been pretty much savoir for me so far. If that's you, then I'd love to help you come to put your trust in the Lord Jesus as the good shepherd, as your good shepherd. I've got a little booklet here. And if you would like to make Jesus your good shepherd today, then please do come and ask me for a copy of this booklet. We aren't all the same. We're very different. We're wonderfully diverse. But Jesus, the good shepherd, calls us all. Let's pray. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you came to give your life so that we could be in that perfect relationship with you. We pray that you would teach us more about what it means to follow you as the good shepherd and that we would rejoice in trusting you now and all the way to heaven. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.